We have an amazing interview coming up. Boy, am I happy to speak with Dr. Pierre Corey. We are so lucky to have him, pulmonary and critical care medicine specialist and president and chief medical officer of the Frontline Critical Care Alliance, the FLCCC, and author of the new book. I mean, it's been out for a few months now. Uh, War on Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic. Welcome to the show, Dr. Corey. Thanks, Liz. It's really great to be here. Thank you. I, I, I just spent the last half hour replaying uh, the, uh, the hearing that was on uh, the Senate hearing from Homeland yeah. Security with Senator Ron Johnson. Um, and I just, I remember, and this was back in December of 2020. and. I could feel the frustration, the anger, um, just like you wanted to shake somebody and say, NIH, l- read the manuscript. Stop calling yep. me a politician. What was that moment like for you in your career? Yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting, a little background to that is, you know, I was, I was as you can tell, I was frustrated, I was fired yeah. up, but I was actually literally angry because what had happened was that the Democrats on the committee did not show, and instead the ranking member, Gary Peters, came and he essentially insulted all of us experts who were testifying as as being politically motivated. And I I was extremely offended, and I just kind of, I I was a little bit in a fury, and and I delivered that, and uh, I would say it changed my life. It did, (laughs) huh? Oh, yeah. It's been a been a ride since then. Um, I, I want to say first off, I stand by every single thing I said mm. that day. Mm-hmm. Still stand by it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, life got real interesting real fast. I mean, while I was still in the hearing room, Fox News uh, wanted an interview with me. Um, I had just testified, uh, and then within two days, the Associated Press asked for an interview. And we were really excited. We thought that was a really great moment for yeah. the world. Turnaround, the, the right? World. Big turnaround. Yeah, there was gonna. We thought so. And uh, what what a sign of what was to come at me was that day when I did that interview with the Associated Press. I told the reporter all of the data that we had, everything supporting its efficacy, and how critical it was that it be systematically deployed. And within a day, the article came out, and it was a complete hit job. It just completely insulted me. It criticized the idea that it could ever be effective. It lumped it in with hydroxychloroquine as another medicine to debunk. We were outraged. I had never seen behavior like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the old me, by the way. There was a lot of naivete at that time. Yeah. I'm a, I, I'm a little bit more worldly now. Um, and But we were outraged. In fact, we, we filed an ethics complaint with the Associated Press, and we had them a little spooked. Because we could see on one of their reply alls, we, we got to see a reply all between the, the president, the CEO, and the ethics officer. And they okay. were trying to buy more time to figure out what to do with us. But anyway, in the end, they found that there was no ethical concerns. Shocker. <laughs> Dr. Corey, I, the reason why I played that full clip, because I wanted to take the time talking with you here, not about the fact that ivermectin was so effective and it could have... Um, ended the pandemic a lot sooner. I wanted to talk about more on a broader scale with, you know, with what you've gone through, but also from the fact that what we're still experiencing today, almost three years after that pivotal testimony that you gave, we are still battling the 
um, the the concept that there are altered alternate medications and actually like far superior medications. And why were they doing this? Why were they discrediting you? First of all, first they discredited you. And that of course, you know, dovetailed into you being uh, your information and all these studies being discredited, discredited. But why did the Democrats not show up? Why did they walk out? Why didn't they want to know the truth or listen or possibly learn something? I don't understand why. Yeah, it, 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 you know, so, you know, one of the things that shocked me about this is that suddenly the medical sciences became political. Yeah. Science is yeah. nothing to do with politics. You know, a friend of mine sent me um, like a meme which said, um, you know, who likes penicillin better? Republicans or Democrats? <laughs> exactly. You know, to show you the absurdity of, of a, a political ideology informing what medicines they think work. But that's, that's literally what happened. I mean, it, you know, because of official governmental policy at that time is that no early treatments work. But why? I, d- I ah, need to know why, Dr. Corey. Let, let me they wanted people to die? Well, uh, uh, yes, you could say that they had, they do not have concerns over people's health. I mean, that's the other thing I learned. I mean, the mm. public health agencies are not about public health. What a farce. They right? are agencies who work for the pharmaceutical industry, whose primary responsibility is to their shareholders, not patients. That's number one. Number two, the reasons why they had to attack not just ivermectin, because I wrote the book, The War on Ivermectin, but one of my colleagues could have easily written a book the war on hydroxychloroquine, because it was mm-hmm. the same war, same tactics. Right. And the reasons why they had to destroy early treatments is, number one, the EUA for the vaccine campaign, which the, they had all planned on doing, and they knew they were going to make billions, and they were going to vaccinate the world. You could not get an emergency use authorization if an effective early treatment had been identified. That's right. So that was, that was number one. It would have absolutely demolished not only the vaccine campaign, but it would have skyrocketed vaccine hesitancy, which was public enemy number one, uh, per the authorities. They had to destroy vaccine hesitancy. And if people knew that a safe, old, repurposed, off-patent medication uh, was available and was highly effective, how many people would have lined up for those vaccines? Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, the markets for the pricey patented pharmaceuticals that were, com- that were coming out, that they were developing, Paxlovid, Remdesivir, Molnupiravir, monoclonal antibodies, um, all of those markets would have been destroyed by ivermectin. So, mm-hmm. you know, here you have a medication that posed one of the greatest threats to a newly opened market, probably north of $100 billion over a few years. Um, they had destroyed. And, and the point of my book is I, illust- I use ivermectin as a case report in how industries practice disinformation. Mm-hmm. But it's not really about ivermectin because it's about decades of this stuff. Wow. They've been doing this to off-patent medicines for a long time, it's the Achilles heel of the pharmaceutical industry, and their tactics at, at destroying evidence of efficacy is absolutely outrageous, unbelievably powerful. They, they literally control many institutions of society, including the high-impact medical journals. They control the investigators who do these studies, and they, they essentially commissioned fraudulent studies that were published in the high-impact journals. They control the agencies and write their policies. Um, and when you see all of this in action, so I had a front row seat. I mean, I mm-hmm. saw everything they did to ivermectin. You were a target and I also. To die- yeah. Say that again? You made yourself a target. 
by bringing yeah. that information. So, so you, you literally not only a front seat, but you were, you were taking shots for this. Oh, I, there's no question. Yeah. Once I jumped into the ring, though, there, there was no jumping out. I, I didn't know I was entering into a war. I didn't mm-hmm. know I was, yeah. you know, myself, organization, you know, we were like the bad news bears up against the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it was. Right. Well, you're like, I what's mean, wrong they, they, with these people? Why aren't they listening to me? You know, that's how I felt, you know, what you were saying. Now, I just have to tell you this. A local hospital here, Conway Medical Center, has on their website still to this day, September 3rd, 2021, um, it says here, False. Horse dewormer for COVID-19. It says the fear and uncertainty surrounding COVID-19 global pandemic can sometimes lead people down a dangerous path of experimentation. And it goes on to to talk about how... there are people that are are self self medicating um, with ivermectin. And now, of course, this was people these these were people who were desperate to get ivermectin, could not get it prescribed by a doctor, could not get it from any pharmacy. They would resort to because they believed what you were saying and uh, what yep. others were saying about ivermectin. They would re- resort to going to the local you know farm store to get ivermectin off Wait, the shelf. And I'll just add this real quick: yeah. was they also painted ivermectin in the corner of it's really generally only used for animals right and that wasn't true and it's still on their website i'm looking at it right now with my own eyeballs a medical center why is that happening well that that's another example of the control from the top i mean these medical centers if you had a medical center that stepped out and tried to depart from this apparent consensus opinion amongst the authorities that it doesn't work uh, that, that medical center would have been in, in some real trouble real quick with funding and any other issues. I mean, all of the entire health system just kowtows. I mean, they, they will follow policy and directives from above. And so when, when the big guys at the agencies tell them, you know, say there's insufficient evidence and it's not to be trusted, they're going to listen. That's number one. You know, number two, I mean, these are just all lies, brazen lies. You know, this idea that there's insufficient evidence. There's literally 99 controlled trials of ivermectin, the summary data of which shows wicked effectiveness in reducing deaths, hospitalizations, time to recovery, time to viral clearance. And and then your point about this horse dewormer nonsense. I mean, that's part of disinformation. They have to inject doubt. And in order to counter the use of ivermectin, you know, one of the things the propagandists, you know, the, the, the one enemy of propaganda is the truth. And the way in which they go after the truth, they go after truth tellers. Yes. And the first first order of business, when you have someone going out there speaking inconvenient truths, is you destroy their credibility. And boy, did they come after me. Mm -hmm. And I started reading things in the papers, just outrageous characterizations of myself, my career, my accomplishments. And, you know, because they have to make me appear as uncredible and not to be listened to. But I will tell you, although they did a good job of that, Mm -hmm. they didn't do, uh, you know, a complete job because we had immense followers from all over the world yes. that were using our protocols and mm-hmm. thousands of testimonials. Um, you know, people did still find us credible. They gave us a listen and it's almost like you see with Bobby Kennedy right now, yeah, right? So yeah. 18 years I've answered. Now the people listening to him, people are saying, wow, he appears deeply researched expert, uh, very reasonable. And they like his message. And it's because he's now allowed to speak. And, you know, I, I definitely had a platform to speak, and I think a lot of people listen to me. Um, I would say the majority of mass media obviously, you know, steered people away from using our protocols. But, um, 
you know, my, my sense is that we fought that war to a stalemate. Mm-hmm. Um, they won in terms of limiting its use. You know, no, no hospitals allow it to be prescribed. The retail pharmacies won't fill it. Um, they did all that, but we still reach millions and millions of people, not only in this country and around the world. And I, I, I my guess is somewhere around 30% of the country knows that ivermectin works. Yeah. There's wow. a lot of, okay. yeah. And, you know, so I think, or I think the reason why I pulled a stalemate is no doctor who has not used ivermectin will start to use it now. All the doctors who know it works, the patients and people who know it works will continue to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did the best we could. We're speaking with Dr. Pierre Corey. The book is War and Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic. When you talk about ending the pandemic with this ivermectin, um, what? how does ivermectin work? How did you, yep. why did you put your, bet your life on it? Okay, your yep. career. Um, sure. and, and is there a silver lining from this experience? I, I do believe there is. And, you know, so the story of our story with ivermectin is that, you know, as an organization, from, from the day that we knew this thing was coming at us, you know, when we saw the, the images in China and in Italy and, you know, the ICUs overflowing, I and mean, we're a group of ICU doctors, you know, we, we said game on. And me and my colleagues, we started studying and reading everything we could about um, COVID. Mm-hmm. And we were following all the potential promising therapeutics. We were following the trials. And in the fall of 2020, that's when the first trials were completing on the number of therapeutics. They were all failing. Um, we discovered later that many of the trials were fraudulent, like the ones on hydroxychloroquine, which supposedly showed that it didn't work. Right. But at the time, nothing was working. But then we started to see these reports of ivermectin popping up from different countries around the world. We had never Who seen Who take that it as part of their regular care against yeah. malaria. That's the, It kind of insulated them from COVID. It, it's in vending machines in some of these countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's over the counter in many countries. And I'd like to uh, point out that through our advocacy, we got uh, ivermectin available over the counter in the state of Tennessee. Oh. It is now available over the counter. Wow, uh, I had no idea. Yeah. Yep. That's great. That probably one of our one of our big wins there. But, um, you know, so we started seeing these reports and my colleague, Paul Marek, uh, co-founder of the organization, he, he's the one who first saw the signal, started telling us about it. I dove deep into the research and I was shocked. I discovered early on in my research that there were 10 years of in vitro studies showing that ivermectin stops the replication of about 10 different RNA viruses. Starting in 2012, like Zika, West Nile, dengue, HIV, influenza. Um, and I was shocked to see that it had all this antiviral activity. And then when we started seeing all the reports on ivermectin, it was incredible. And then the prevention trials were shocking. People who took ivermectin regularly just were not getting sick. And I started hearing that from uh, physicians down in Peru. They were saying anyone why on ivermectin. Did, they- why did Merck say it's not, don't use this off-label, the actual manufacturer of ivermectin. Why it's did It's not in there. Are you kidding me? First of all, it's off-patent. There's manufacturers of that drug all around the world. They can't make any money off of it. It literally costs pennies, and they have competing products. I mean, they, that's the problem with pharmaceutical wow. companies. They all are in competition with off-patent medications, even ones that they invented. They no longer can make the obscene profits they're used to. So, Merck was one of the biggest attacks on ivermectin. I mean, in February, it was like killing their own child. Like this is, it doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't. Well, remember, 
remember, Merck makes molnupiravir. They they make molnupiravir. They were they were trying to bring a new drug to market for COVID. Of course, they have to get rid of the old drug. And so, you know, and their attack was so brazen. I mean, February fourth of twenty twenty one, two months after my testimony, Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, they posted three statements: no data to support it, no authors, no nothing. And they said that their company scientists had determined. And then they said three things. One, there's no potential mechanism that it could work. Mm-hmm. There's no clinical data to suggest that it works. And its safety is undetermined. Yes. And so it was so, I mean, there was so much data at that time. We had compiled many trials, case series, case reports, everything. Um, and and uh, health ministry reports. I mean, it was overwhelming data. Mm-hmm. And this is what they do. They, they traffic in lies to protect their profits. Dr. Pierre Corey is who we're speaking with. And before we run out of time, I have to ask you this question. I mentioned silver lining. You said yes. What is it? Yes. I, well, for me as a physician, the biggest silver lining is that we have now have 47 different therapies for COVID, wow. which is really important. So there's 47 different effective antiviral strategies. Uh, whether it be nutraceuticals, repurposed drugs, even some of the uh, patented drugs. Um, But we have so many options to treat viruses with now. And I think that's not only important because we, you know, viruses is a a pretty common cause of disease. And who knows what the future is going to hold? I mean, if anyone's wondering if there's another pandemic coming, just remember how profitable this pandemic was for Mm -hmm. numerous interests. And a lot of us do worry that they're going to do this again, whether it's going to be a purposeful or accidental lab leak. <laughs> or who, knows? who knows what's going to happen? But I think it's important that we know. And the second reason with the silver lining, and I'm just going to tout my book a bit, yeah. is I think if people read that book, yeah. they're going to learn in a really detailed sense of how disinformation is practiced and so that they can be aware, they can protect themselves from being diluted by pharmaceutical industry lies. And and we need that to protect our health. And I, I so I think going forward as a population, uh, even whether you read the book or not, um, you know, we're going to be better armed uh, with with knowing how to navigate the world and detect uh, falsehoods and 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 things that are going to hurt us. Do you I feel mean, you've gained your credibility back? Have you been? Do you feel the <laughs> universe has re-corrected itself? Um, I know the FLCCC, you know, uh, I'm sure you know him, but I, I know there's so many doctors now in the FLCCC, but Dr. J.P. Salibi. Um, yes, I know J.P. for sure. He's my and, and personal physician. Oh, wow. So, no, J.P.'s great. I, I learn a lot from him. Deeply expert and knowledgeable on a number of uh uh, you know, aspects of chronic illness, Lyme disease. and he, he's, Well, he's I have terrific. Lyme disease. So, um, wow. and so it was woken up by the COVID uh, infection. I never took a vaccine or anything, but um, so he had, I'm actually on 30 milligrams daily of ivermectin. Um, wow. And it's a, it's not going to be forever. It's just, you know, just to get through what yeah. we're dealing with right now. But, um, you know, I wanted to submit the uh, ivermectin uh, receipt to my insurance company and the yeah. compounding pharmacy begged me not to do it. Now, I, I yep. had already done it after they told, you know, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, right. I already submitted. They did cover it. So oh, wow. is there a changing of, of something going on? This is a compounding pharmacy. I have to have it mailed to me. It's not local. But, I mean, right. is this, is, do I, you see a change? I don't know, and I think that's a good data point. I My sense is you got lucky because um, yeah. I definitely have 
other patients uh, inform me of the insurance company denials. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm glad it happened for you. But, um, mm. you know, I don't know if it's changing. And, you know, in terms of my credibility, I will just say that in my world that I live in now, you know, which is, I guess, somewhat of a bubble, you know, I mean, yeah. I interact, work with uh, physicians all over the world, very knowledgeable. Uh, I have high credibility. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, you know, major media and, and in terms of, uh, unfortunately, many of my, I think my former colleagues and former trainees, um, I don't hear from them so much anymore. My, my sense is they think I lost my way and there's nothing I can do. Or they're that. afraid to stick their neck out because it might get chopped off. Well, that that's for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the other thing that yeah. is they're going to us doctors. I mean, they just stripped me of my board certification. You're kidding. Uh, because Did that just yeah, happen? Just happened last week. The American Board of Internal Medicine <gasps> voted to strip myself, Dr. Paul Merrick, Dr. Peter McCullough, of our board certification. So being- what are you doing? <laughs> what do you do now? What do you do? Well, the, the board certification doesn't actually impact me materially because uh, the American Board of Internal Medicine, it's just a kind of a, it's an honor. It's a distinction. It's not required to practice medicine. Oh. Uh, so it, it's just, it's sort of a status that you've passed a, a more rigorous specialty exam. Okay. And so me losing my boards doesn't affect me for two reasons. Number one, I no longer work in the healthcare system. I'm in private practice. I my own telehealth practice. I see patients in all 50 states. And also, I don't wow. take insurance. Because the problem with board certification, although historically you didn't need it to practice medicine, mm-hmm. they've weaponized that certification. Yeah. Now, whereas you cannot get a job in an academic medical center or in many hospitals without being board certified, nor do insurance uh, uh, companies allow you to be on their panel if you're not board certified. So, I mean, for me, because I'm in private practice and I don't accept insurance, it hasn't impacted me. But mm-hmm. um, let's say I ever wanted to go back in the system, and I can assure you I will never work <laughs> in the healthcare that's all right. I won't. Um, I won't ever get a job anywhere else either. So we know the feeling. Yeah, we're okay, unhireable, <laughs> sir. We're unhireable this way. And I'm happy about that. I, I think uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely estranged from the practice of medicine wow. and and the physicians. And I just, I, they. Uh, hey, Doctor Corey, know, do, do you yeah. think we could talk again sometime in the future to touch home? Anytime, for sure. Okay. Um, Hey, you're a patient of JP. <laughs> hey, it's in the family. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Dr. Corey, I'm going to read that book. I didn't get it yet, but uh, War on Ivermectin, the the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic. Lessons to be learned in there. And um, it'll give people, I believe, the courage to stand up for themselves and advocate for themselves and keep looking for the truth and protecting their family. So many people died on that remdesivir protocol. And, um, I, I mean, it, it's nothing short of murder. I, 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 that's how I see it. It's, it infuriates me. I agree. Many people died unnecessarily. And that's what I said in my testimony. I appreciate that you, uh, heard it and played it and, um, and took its, took its advice. So thank you. Well, thank you for, uh, suiting up and going to war for the rest of us. Thank you for your voice. Dr. Corey. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much.